0: Amen. Those folks are pretty good, right? Amen. Amen. I'm so thankful for the team of volunteers we have that lead us in worship every week. And I'm very fortunate that I get to be very close in proximity with them so that their multitude of skills and abilities cover my multitude of faults and mistakes. Um, They really are a treat, and I hope that you... um, catch glimpses of just how fortunate we are to have them. I hope you guys had a good weekend. If you had a good weekend, give me something. <clears throat> yeah. Anybody uh, Anybody spend some time in the woods this weekend with a little? Don't want to talk about it. Okay. Uh, I'm not really sure how to take that. Uh, I hope that it was all good. I hope that if any uh, blood was shed, it was not human in nature or whatever your silence uh, led to there. I was uh, given a message by a faithful, awesome church member of ours, Mr. Gary Van Pelt. He said, uh, make sure that you do not preach the way that the hogs played. So, I'm going to try... To uh, to hold up my end of the deal, Mr. Gary, I appreciate your encouragement and the humor that we can share together. I uh, I spent a little bit of time in the woods uh, yesterday with my oldest son. Uh, he and my oldest daughter and my youngest daughter went um, hunting. Anyway, I spent some time with, with Eli, my boy, and our day started off really great. We saw a lot of deer, deer. Uh, didn't really have very much lulls so that he couldn't lose his attention. Uh, the only problem really uh, in the beginning was a deer would come out. And we saw some young bucks and several does and he said, Daddy, those are little bucks. And I was like, who, who even are you? I mean, I don't think you get to make that call yet, bud. But uh, our day progressed. Things were great. We had a great morning and then I it a lot to the Razorbacks as the day went on. You know, come 3 o'clock, we were still pretty spry. By 4 or 5 o'clock, we were feeling pretty defeated. And by 6 o'clock, the nail had been hammered into the coffin and we were done. Uh, But we were glad we got to be out there. I hope you had a good time. If you went, I hope that you had a good weekend in spite of the hogs. I hope that you've had a good morning so far this morning. Uh, We're going to get into the Word a little bit, if that would be all right. Last week, uh, it was really good to have Joel Turner here uh, he challenged us to live missional lives like he lives as a missionary overseas. Um, the gospel is as good for the people of Benton, Arkansas, as it is for the people all over the globe. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. And he challenged us to pray, to love, to share Jesus, and to partner with each other. And so I hope that you've had a, a good week reflecting on those truths and, and accomplishing that mission in your lives. This week, we are back in our series, The Journey. Okay, and so we've been in this series for a while, on the journey with Jesus, and we are back this week. But today, we are going to be talking about what to do when you get knocked off course. Okay, what, what do you do when you fall down? Or maybe for some of us, what do you do if you've never actually started on this journey with jesus so i have a question for you have you ever been on a journey or on track for something and you've been derailed raise your hand okay so a lot of us in this room okay we've set our mind to a goal or we've been in route to something and something hasn't gone according to plan we got knocked off course we fell down and skin our knee something we've been knocked off track you can relate the most recent race I did, I had one of these episodes. Okay, I felt good, maybe a little too big for my, my too big for my britches kind of good. Uh, I thought I was in a great place, and uh, anyway, things turned a little bit. Had some stomach trouble, and I came into an aid station that is a crew station. What that means is you can have people that are part of your crew that help you. Uh, And this aid station was at Lake Wynonna was the name of it. My crew, shout out to a couple of my crew, Sam and Jessica. Um, Megan is not here today because I'm preaching. And (laughs) no, I'm kidding. Uh, I hope. Her sister has a baby shower today out of town. So um, these guys were all part of my crew, and my dad was as well. And they all had a collective job to do. And then some of them had specific jobs. This is a picture here of me uh, with a mustache. Sorry, uh, Chris in the back there. I don't have it still. Sorry, all you Movember folks. Um, <clears throat> but I came into this station not well. Stomach turned. Things are derailed. I'm, I've slowed down a lot, and it's just looking pretty bleak for me at the time. And I, I'm talking to all these folks about this, like, things just aren't good. I'm not going to meet my goal it's just not good. I've slown down too much, and I continue this for a little while, and I think my dad had his fill of it, basically. And so I said, look, there's just no way I'm going to be able to make it if I keep on like this. And he said, you won't do it if you keep sitting here in this chair. And boy, I'm telling you what, <laughs> that lit a fire in my belly, and I was fired up. That was his job. The only reason I asked him to come was to look me in the eyes and tell me basically to put up or shut up, like strap on your big boy britches and let's go to work. That was his job, and uh, he did his job. He spoke truth that I needed to hear that would provoke a, sp- a response, a response that was more than verbal. Now, don't get me wrong. There were things I wanted to say to him, okay? But he's my dad, and uh, I try not to talk to him like that because I, I think he could still take me maybe. Anyway. <laughs> He definitely could in that situation, but he spoke truth to me, and it, it fired me up, and I got up and did the job that I set out to do, and I owe it hugely to my crew for helping me out and doing what they were asked to do. So we, we run into issues on our journey, and we need truth spoken into us. We need encouragement. It's my hope that today God's word will be that for you, that it will encourage you to actually do something. Okay? Not simply feel something or say something, but to do something in response. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. It's going to be our primary text for today. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth, then he left there and moved to Capernaum. Beside the Sea of Galilee, in the region of Zebulon and Naphtali. This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah. In the land of Zebulun and of Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live. Listen to this, verse 16 of chapter 4. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. For those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your word. We're thankful for Jesus who is the word. Thank you that when Jesus steps into darkness, he shines a great light that when he walks among the shadows cast by death, the light of new life invades. Thank you for making a way through Jesus to remedy our sin problem and make us citizens of the kingdom of heaven, sons and daughters of yours. Amen. So Jesus has moved geographical location And we see here that this fulfilled some prophecy. Another thing that it does as we're thinking about the idea of prophecy and things that happened before happening now in Jesus' life, he actually preaches, according to Matthew, this message from this point on. What is that message? Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Well, this isn't the first time this message has been preached. John the Baptist who is to be the forerunner of Jesus, the one who would come before and prepare the way for the Messiah, also preached this message. For us, it's just a chapter back in chapter 3. We see in verse 1, it says, In those days John the Baptist came to Judea, uh, and he began preaching his message, which was this, Repent of your sins, turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Sounds pretty familiar, right? So John preached this message. Jesus, the Savior of the world, steps onto the scene. He preaches this message. We might could say it's a fairly important message to get, right? It's simple. There's not a lot to it. Some of you are thinking like, yeah, you've already met your quota of words. He did it in just a few, and Keaton, you're still talking. It's because I'm not as good as John the Baptist and Jesus. The message is repent of your sins. Turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus continues this message, and as we keep reading, we see what this will look like for people to genuinely repent and then turn to God. If you'll pick up with me in verse 18. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. And they left their nets at once, and they followed him. This is what repentance looks like, okay? Jesus preaches this message, repent and turn to God, and these two fishermen put down their nets leave what they have, and they go and follow Jesus. That is a definitive act. That is a great illustration and example of repenting of your sins and genuinely turning to God, doing something, and following Jesus. We're going to put some definitions up on the screen in a minute, and I hope this will be helpful for us because I think repentance is a big deal that we get right that we understand what it means, and I think we have a good idea, but maybe not to completion. Um, And so we're going to put some words on the screen. Those words are remorse, confession, and repent, and we're going to look at these definitions one at a time. So remorse, according to dictionary.com, means deep and painful regret for wrongdoing. Okay? That doesn't really catch anybody off off guard, does it? We, we feel like we know what remorse means, right? It's a deep and painful regret for wrongdoing. Okay, what about confession? Confession is acknowledgement or disclosure of sin or sinfulness. So confession takes it just a step further, right? Remorse, we feel something. We have this deep, painful regret. Confession, we acknowledge Right, So it's gone from this feeling, this visceral thing, to something we're cognitively aware of and thinking about. It's an acknowledgement or even a disclosure. We've thought about this remorse, this sin, the tragedy of it, and we are confessing it to ourselves maybe is the first person we need to do that to. To God, maybe to someone else. We have taken it farther and confessed, disclosed our sin or sinfulness. Now, what about the word repentance? I think repentance builds on these other two things. So what does repent mean? To repent is to feel such sorrow for sin, remorse, feel something, or fault as to be disposed, confess, To change one's life for the better. Do we see what's happening here? We feel something over our sin. We acknowledge and maybe even speak to the fact that we are sinful. But repentance is to change. We got that? So I know this is a cliche illustration, but to repent, to genuinely repent of our sins is to realize and to feel sorrow and grief over walking in our sin, to repent is to be done with, to cast away that sin, to make an about face and turn and follow Jesus in righteousness, okay? That's what genuine repentance is. These other words, remorse, confession, they are important pieces to the equation, but they're not synonymous with repentance because they don't fully encompass what it means to repent, Remember what these two brothers did after Jesus spoke this message of repentance. The two men left their nets and followed Jesus. In other words, they quit their jobs, jobs that they inherited, jobs that would have been generational, that their family had done forever and that their family depended on them to do and continue. They left those things and followed Jesus. There's a parallel passage about this same story in Luke's gospel, chapter 5, which we actually talked about one of the last couple of times that I preached. In fact, this is the only story in the Bible I know anything about, which is why I keep preaching it. Um, In that gospel account, Luke's account, we see that Jesus also performed this great miracle, okay? And the disciples, they caught this huge catch of fish, what I want to focus on is what Peter comes up to Jesus and says. After this miracle, Peter responded like this. Listen to this. Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Peter felt remorse. He confessed his sinfulness to Jesus. But then, church, he repented he left everything behind and followed Jesus. I have this question for you. Are you aware just how sinful a man you are? And here's why I ask that question. I think in the Western church, we make a big deal of how Jesus has made us free from sin and bondage, how he has declared through his action victory over death, hell, sin, and the grave, and that is an excellent thing. We should get excited. We should hoop and holler. We should sing loud. We should clap. We should amen and hallelujah and all that stuff because Jesus is the king. Jesus is supreme. Jesus has won the fight, and that is something to celebrate, okay? He has accomplished for us a beautiful relationship with God. And he has declared himself victorious. On the other side of that coin, though, we have been through the mire. And we have sin That sin that's been triumphed over, that's been forgiven, it is ugly. It is hideous. And it caused us to be stuck in death and defeat. And so what I'm saying is, yes, let's hoop and holler. Let's get pumped up about Jesus' victory over sin. But for me to really, really understand and comprehend how great a feat that is, I have to be reminded how awful a position I was in. Does that make sense, church? Jesus gave us a beautiful, victorious status and relationship. But my sin that caused Jesus to go to the cross was heinous and ugly and vile, and I was stuck and done for. Does that make sense? Because I recognize how awful a state I was in, I can really appreciate what Jesus has done. It's like It's like attaining a prize that you've worked hard for. You you don't appreciate it as much unless you've suffered. Does that make sense? And so I hope that we are grieved by our sin. I'll ask you, do you really give thought to that? And if so, have you repented? Have you left your sin behind you and turned away from that path and gotten on the journey with Jesus. If not, you haven't com- you, you're haven't. You not doing it right. It's great, and we should feel remorse. We should feel, we should feel grief over our sin. And it is great to confess that sin, to acknowledge it to ourselves and to God. And there's power, the Scripture teaches us, in confessing it to other people as well. But I'm saying if we just feel remorse, and we just confess, but we continue in that sin... We're not doing it right. The message of Jesus is not feel sorry for your sin. It's not just tell me about your sin. It's repent, church, of your sin and turn to God. And we, if we're going to be obedient followers of Jesus, we've got to repent. We've got to want relationship with Jesus more than we want to hang on to that sin. And it's tough but it's what we're called to do. I'd like to reference another scripture that Grant read for us earlier in Romans chapter 5 in verse 20. Romans chapter 5, verse 20. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Chapter 6, verse 1. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it, If you'll skip down to verse 12 of chapter 6. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Church, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well, then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can just go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, But now you wholeheartedly obey the teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin. And you have become slaves to righteous living. Thanks be to God. Praise and glory to God. Hallelujah. God is worthy of our praise. This power this power we have to live without being slaves to sin. I'm convinced it begins with this honest response before an almighty God to his word he has given us. Nick shared this story with our students this past week. In 1950, at Wheaton College, they, uh, there was a chapel service that would have been a very normal thing. And someone asked the students to come forward at this chapel service and to confess their sins. Not knowing what the Holy Spirit was up to, student after student after student after student student walked up on stage and confessed their sins openly to their peers. They lined up because there wasn't enough room for them on stage waiting for a turn. This continued for hours. They canceled classes at the school. And well into the next day, people were still coming and confessing their sins. Why do I bring this up to you? Because people have felt, they felt the grief of their sin, and they've confessed that sin. Why? Why would you do that? Because confession is good for the soul. Because confession builds an acknowledgement of just what I'm capable of and an accountability through other believers that this is my sin and I'm ready to be done with it. And so I'm speaking it out loud to others. Now I'm not going to ask y'all to come up here and confess your sins on this microphone but I think it is a good reminder to us that confession is good. Confession is not everything there is to repentance but I'm going to have the band come forward now and we are going to have a time of confession. What I'd like to do is have a time of personal confession and then I'll lead us in a corporate confession, a prayer, and then I'd like to read one passage of scripture over you. But listen, church, if, if, if you're not grieved by your sin anymore, if you've become too familiar with it, I hope that the Holy Spirit is moving on you now. Our sin is a big deal. Our sin is the reason Jesus hung on the cross. Our sin might as well have been the literal nails driven into his hands and feet. We might as well have been the ones standing there throwing the whip on his back, laughing and scoffing and pulling the beard from his face. If we want to really enjoy the victory And the beauty of what Jesus has done, we have to acknowledge how wretched our sin is. And so church, I pray that we will do that this morning. Take time during this song and confess your sins to our holy and gracious Father. For me, I have to be specific. I have to just... I got to just get it out there exactly what it is. If you need to do that, do it as well, in all of its ugliness. Maybe you're here today and you've never actually repented of your sins. If not, listen, you're not on the journey with Jesus. I don't care what you think, I don't care what anybody else has told you. If you haven't repented and turned to God, you are not on this journey. Jesus is the only person who lived without sin who has never needed to repent. By living perfectly, He was the perfect candidate to stand in our place and to endure, as we sang earlier, the Father's wrath on sin, on your sin, and on my sin. He died on a cross once and for all. He was buried, and He was raised to life on the third day. You, too, can have new life free from the slavery of sin, life that is filled with righteousness. I'm begging you, follow Jesus today. Follower of Jesus, I'm begging you, confess your sins to a holy God and repent as we sing.